God brings joy. God brings joy. The Advent season, we've been talking about hope. We've been talking about love last week. Uh, we're talking about joy today. And we'll be talking about peace, uh, the Lord willing, next Lord's Day. And the things I want to share with us just for a few moments this morning, I believe will be, it's mostly reminder for many of us, and I hope that will be pleasant for your ears to refresh your spirits, but it will be something perhaps brand new for some folks that are here that are not used to this story. They're used to hearing about Christmas, but they're not used to the story like I'm going to tell it. So let's begin. When God created the world, and when God created Adam and Eve, we're talking about way back on the timeline, and placed them in a place called the Garden of Eden. The human race began working on this giant jigsaw puzzle. And I would have entitled it, What's Going On? God creates the world. He creates men, a man and a woman. He places them in the garden. They procreate and people are born and populate the earth. And from that moment forward in time, people have been scratching their head saying, what's going on? What's the big picture here? That's what we've entitled our entire Advent season as by way of theme. And that is the big picture. It reminds me of a time elapsed video that I ran across where, how many of you like to work jigsaw puzzles? How many of you hate them? How many of you didn't want to admit that? You hate, you hate, you hate the word hate. But anyway, uh, 2,000 pieces to build the world, so to speak, in a very short time-elapsed per period of time. Now, if I were to describe that, I couldn't really describe it well. But in about 15 seconds, I'd like to show it to you. Watch this. <laughs> well, you, you get the picture. It lasts about two minutes, and you can find that on the internet. But if the puzzle worker didn't have the box, didn't have the title called The World, and uh, didn't have the picture there, it, I, I'm sure it would have taken a whole lot longer. And I'm sure you agree, those of you who work the puzzles. But what we're attempting to show in this Advent series, this Christmas season, is that the Bible is a big picture of what God is doing with this world he created and where we fit in. There's a lot of pieces in that puzzle. And then once the puzzle makes the picture and it's the world, then until, until uh, Jesus comes and this world as we know it is changed into something very different, the Bible says, we're going through, through time and space and whatever, trying to figure out what's the big picture, where do we fit in? So once the picture of the world was able to be identified, and as time continued to pass, and we're living in it right now, you and I became a piece of that jigsaw puzzle. And there's a piece of that jigsaw puzzle that has my name on it. There's a piece of that jigsaw puzzle that has your name on it. We are in the map of the world, 
But so often we don't see the big picture of the world because we're living in it. It's like watching your children or grandchildren grow up. They're in your house. Your, your, your relatives come in for Christmas and they haven't seen your children for a year and they say, oh my, how little Johnny has grown and you had hardly noticed it. Why? Because they were growing in front of you. Sometimes when living in the world, it is very hard for us to see the big picture. Why are we here and what happens when we die and lots of other questions. Maybe there's someone here today or someone that will be listening on the internet that's asking themselves, why are we here? Why am I here? And what happens when I die in conjunction with this picture of the world? I didn't ask to be here, but I, I showed up one day and became aware of myself. And so what is my, what's the point of me? And what's going to happen to me at some point when I die? So to get some perspective, let's work the timeline backwards. Let's just say this is the beginning of time and this is Jesus comes and he ushers in the new heavens and the new earth and everything in between is the timeline. So let's begin working backwards for just a moment. We're usually looking forward into the future. Let's go backwards for just a moment. We know from our study of history that a great teacher arose in the Middle East and we know that his name was Jesus. Now that, that name means Jehovah saves. There was this great teacher in the Middle East that pops up and history does not dispute that. We know that happened. No one disputes that. And we know that he was born around 2,000 years ago, give or take a few years. We can't pinpoint it exactly, but it's around 2,000 years. We know that. History knows that. That's not debated, really. So let me ask you this question. What would you think if I had a box that was made over 700 years ago by your great, 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 well, that's seven generations, but not everybody lives to 100, great, let's add two or three more just for safety, great, great grandfather. On your mother's side, let's say that you had a great, 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 one of those grandfathers, who made a box. And in that box, he placed a prediction. And what he said to the family on your mother's side was, I've put a prediction inside this box. In fact, Jared, would you help me out? You know, as a part-time staff member, he's agreed to do whatever I ask him to do within reason. So... <laughs> So here he comes, here he comes, and he's got a, whether you can see it or not, come on up here so everybody can see it, hold it up high, he's got a box. Okay, so here's this box, and it's like your great, 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 great grandfather got that box and put a prediction inside. That's his, that's, that's your idea of uh, papyrus, is that right? What'd you, what'd you do, crunch up the paper and roll it up? Is that, is that what you did? So did it, did it help that I asked you to do this about 10 minutes before the service? No, no it didn't help. Okay, <laughs> thanks for being honest. So, so here's the box that great-great-great-great-great-grandfather on your mother's side gave to the family with a prediction inside, and it's 700 years old, if you can picture that. And he says to the family, I'm giving this to you, I'm entrusting it to the family. And whatever you do, don't break it. Whatever you do, don't lose it. 
make sure that you pass it down in time before everybody dies or whatever, to pass it on so that it can make it at least 700 years. Don't read it. Don't, take, don't break it apart and look at the papyrus. Don't see what's on there. You just, everybody has to wait 700 years to read the prediction that I'm making about the future. And on this Christmas day, 2017, is the day that you get to open the box that's been in your family for 700 years plus. And Fox News is there, and CNN is there, and they're arguing with each other, and uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say, Rocket Man is there, Rocket Man is there, uh, uh, Geraldo Rivera is there, obviously. They're all there to watch you break open the box and find out what's on the papyrus that your great, 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 great grandfather on your mother's side wrote about the future. Okay, should we let him off the hook now? Let him get. He did a good job, didn't he? Amen. Good job. We're proud of you. So it's Christmas Day, and there you are with all the cameras, and dun dun dun, and the drum roll, and the whole thing, and you break it open, and your whole family has traveled from all over the world to be here with you because it's a family deal, especially, and you break it open, and you roll the papyrus out. And this is what your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather on your mother's side wrote 700 years ago. And here it is on the screen, Isaiah 7.14. 700 years before, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin, say virgin, a virgin will be with child, and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Now, that's his nature. Emmanuel is his nature. The word Emmanuel literally means God with us. We already sang some of the names of Jesus. In fact, scholars tell us that Jesus, there are over 200 titles and names and references to Jesus in the Bible, over 200. Emmanuel is his nature. That's the name of his nature. But he's also called many other things. In fact, God told Mary to call him Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah saves. Jehovah, God, saves. He's also known as Christ. Christ means anointed, the anointed one. He's also, and we sang it in some of these songs. That's why some of these songs are really precious. That We need to keep singing these songs because they are so scripturally sound. Uh, how many of you saw we sang the Lamb, Lamb of God, Agnus Dei? Lamb of God, that's a name of Jesus. Son of Man, that's a name of Jesus. Uh, the Word, capital W, the Word became flesh. That's another name for Jesus. But the key phrase here that I want us to look at is not Emmanuel, God with us, which is really incredible. 
the key phrase that has never happened before ever, ever in history that this great-great-great-great-great-grandfather said as a prophet 700 years before it happened, this had never happened before in history, was that a woman who has never been with a man in the sexual sense was pregnant and gave birth to a little boy. That never, ever happened before. That has never, ever happened before. The Bible says, but it did happen 2,000 years ago. It happened. It happened to Mary and Joseph watching this whole deal. And it was just as great, 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 great grandfather had said over 700 years before it happened, it happened. Now, I want you to think about this. There's no spiritual leader that you can think of. There's no spiritual leader if you've taken a class or a study in comparative religions. There is no spiritual leader since the beginning of time, way back when everything started, creation, Adam and Eve, the garden. There is nobody all the way up to this very date in time that has ever been born to a woman who had never been with a man in the physical sense. That's never happened. I don't care how gifted. I don't care how popular. I don't care how rich and famous. I don't care how pervasive uh, that leader may have been. There's not one that has ever been born like that. And the fact of the matter is, you can believe that because it would have been impossible because how could it happen for the science of it to work properly? I mean, the science has to work, right? Procreation is about science. The only way any of this big picture story of God working through history in the Bible could be believable is if a miracle had taken place. It's the only way. Otherwise, uh, it defies science. Something that was outside of science and totally unexplainable because since Adam and Eve, all babies were created the same way every time. Now, aren't you glad I told you something you didn't know? But it's good for us to see, because we're living in it, it's good for us to see the forest for the trees and the trees for the forest. It's helpful for us to review this. This child was miraculously born as flesh and blood, on the one hand, on Mary's side, and as spirit on the Father's side, the heavenly Father's side, God, God's side. And husband Joseph was not a part of the process. So we, most of us know that. We've learned that story in, in Sunday school and whatever. And that's why great-grandfather was inspired to write on the papyrus, and that's all made up, by the way, that his nature, his name, Emmanuel, would be known as God with us because God was, is his father. Now, because Mary birthed him, this little baby boy had flesh and blood. A flesh and blood mother birthed this miraculous child. And remember that the Bible says God is spirit, John 4, 24. 
The Bible says God is spirit. I, I, I alluded to that last week. We, could, we couldn't have seen him if he had not put on flesh. We, we, Jesus could have come. God could have come in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we couldn't have seen him and known that he was here if he hadn't put on flesh and blood. Because God came and God is spirit. This is why Jesus is called the God-man. He was as much man, you've heard this before, but maybe some of you it's new. He was as much man as if he had never been God. And he was as much God as if he had never been man. And the good news of the gospel, which means good news, gospel means good news, is he came in order to bear the penalty for our sins on the cross. Now, here's the problem. Most of the people ever born on this planet don't understand that they're living under a sentence of death because of sin. They don't understand it. There are so many people that will be giving and receiving Christmas presents this year who have absolutely no idea what this story is about. Millions of people. And that's a sad thing. And it's our job to make sure that doesn't happen. And that's why we're here. You know, it, it's sort of like uh, it, what you don't know won't hurt you. What you. Well, that's not true, really, because what we don't know sometimes can hurt us really badly. Amen? But there's this feeling like, well, what you don't know won't hurt you. Really? So, uh, so those of you who are uh, over 40 years of age... You can picture this in your mind, and you young people who haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, just try to listen and picture it. So here's, here's Archie Bunker of the All in the Family sitcom, a godless, secular man who thinks he's religious. And he's got his wife, Edith, and he's got his daughter, uh, what's her name? Gloria, Gloria and Michael Stivick, her husband. And they're living with mom and dad while Michael's trying to finish college and be able to take care of life. And so here you have this scene where Archie comes in from work. He wants to be doted on. He's self-centered and all he cares about is meeting his own needs. He sits down in the Archie chair that nobody else is allowed to sit in because he's selfish. And he tells his wife Edith to go get him a beer and says, leave it there, Edith. Just leave it there. I'll drink it as I get ready. He picks out a great big old stogie from out of his pocket, and he lights the stogie up, and he throws the newspaper up, and he starts reading the newspaper while he's smoking his stogie and waiting to take a hit on his beer after a hard day at work. That's the scene. And his son-in-law, Michael, did I mention Stivik? Did I mention the uh, Polish little thing there. Yeah, yeah. Archie had a big problem with his son-in-law's genealogy, okay? And he poked fun at Polish, and he poked fun at everything that Michael believed in. Uh, Michael was an activist. Michael voted for the president that Archie didn't vote for, and he campaigned for him, and he had uh, liberal uh, leanings, and and he had different views about the military, and about war, and about Vietnam at that time. This is back in the 60s. And so finally, finally, Archie's sitting there looking at his newspaper, 
smoking a stogie and taking a hit on his can of beer every once in a while, and his son-in-law comes up to him, and he says, Arch, he said, I, every time you and I are in the same room, we get into conflict. And Gloria's over there saying, now, Daddy, don't be so mean to Michael. And, and Michael, don't agitate Daddy. And this is going on all the time. And, of course, they do it in a way that we're all laughing at it, but it's not really funny. And Michael says to his, his father-in-law, Arch, this is awful. I don't know how much longer I can stand this. Every time I turn around, you are criticizing me because I am living in your house and I'm not paying you any rent right now, and you know I'm trying to go to college, and you know I'm trying to pay those bills, and you know I'm trying to make a life for your daughter and me, and you know I promise to pay you back as soon as I get a job, and, and, and every time we talk about my campaigning for McGovern or whoever it was at the time, uh, you criticize me, and every time we turn around, you're, you're, uh, you're bragging about your great military career, and I'm telling you that we shouldn't even be in Vietnam, and every Every time I turn around, you're laughing at my, 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 uh, my family members and making Polish jokes. And, and don't you understand that you are ripping my heart out? Most of you know what he does. He shakes the paper, takes another hit on his big stogie, reaches and gets a gulp of beer, looks up over his glasses and says... I don't care. <laughs> That's it. I don't care. I don't care if your heart's ripped out. I don't care if we don't get along. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you believe in. All I care about is what matters to me. We have a lot of folks on this planet who don't care about what I just talked about, the big picture. Now, it's not that they're trying to be goofy like Archie. They just don't care. Sometimes it's because they don't know. Sometimes it's because they're living in it and can't see the forest for the trees. That's part of why we're here, to help with that. Trying to find out, why am I here? What is my place and what is my purpose in this world? Most people, I think, don't have a hard time relating to sin because... Common sense eventually ca catches up with us, and we all know that we do wrong things at some time. So, so, so people who've not heard this story, they, they don't argue that, oh, I'm not a sinner. Uh, most people will say, yeah, I sin, whatever your definition of sin is, I'm not perfect. Most people don't disagree with that. But what they don't understand is that God created everyone for his good pleasure and for every one of us to live according to that pleasure. Did you catch that? When, way back here at the timeline, when God put Adam and Eve here, he put them and all the rest of us here for his good pleasure. And many people don't know that. And many others don't care. I don't care. In fact, we can't live according to God's good pleasure. Because there's an enemy of our faith, an enemy of God, who's captured our minds and our hearts so that we rebel against God's will for our lives. How do we know that? Romans 3.23, you're familiar with it, most of you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The glory of God is that we live our lives according to His pleasure. So we've all not done that. 
The world needs to know that. And then Romans 6.23 says the wages of that, what happens as a result of living that way is death. That's separation from God. But there is this free gift that God has given. It's called eternal life, but it's through Jesus Christ, the God-man. So God came to earth. He put on flesh and blood Himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And God literally, this, this may be news to you, God literally paid for your sin that you weren't even paying attention to. That's what God did. That's, that is how much He loves you. And if we don't come to understand what He did and believe it, then what God says in His Word is basically that people are going to die in their sins because the debt, the penalty, is still owed for the sin, that we didn't live our lives for His pleasure and His purposes. And the penalty is eternal separation from God when this life is over. That's, that's what the book says. The book says, well, what happens when I die? Well, what happens when you die is that if you still owe for your sins, you will have to pay for that. And that's what God says. Otherwise, there's no justice and God is just. Most people don't understand this. And they deserve to be told before it's too late. Unlike what many people would like to think, catch this, unlike what many people would like to think, God is not letting anyone into his heaven who has not loved Jesus and asked Jesus to be their Savior from sin. They won't, they won't go into heaven. That's what the Bible says. So if you haven't had this explained to you before, if you have not heard this before, if you've not had this shared with you before, there it is. There it is. And if you choose to agree with God about your sin, and if you put your belief in Jesus to save you, and if you agree to live after God's pleasure until you die, He says you will be saved. You will be saved. And that, my friends, is the reason Christmas brings us such joy. I'm talking about joy, real joy. To know that our sins can be and are forgiven and not held against us the day we die, it means that you can confidently say in this life, while we are still moving through time on that timeline, that you can confidently say, that you're going to heaven because Jesus paid for your sins on the cross. That's what you deserve to know if you've never had anybody tell you that before. And it's all about God's love, not his hate or his anger. It's about his love. But there's more. And I hope and I pray that believers, and so, you know, I spoke, I spoke to the choir, so to speak. I, I know most of you already knew that. And I know most of you were affirming that and giving me the thumbs up saying, yeah, make sure everybody in this place hears that. Because I heard it a long time ago and, it's wor and it works and it's true. And, and preach it, preach it, Pastor Tim. We're with you. But there's more. And what I hope and I pray is that believers who were giving me the thumbs up know that there is a second reason in the big picture for joy. And I want to close with that second reason. And that reason is found in John 15, and if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to them. We'll put it on the screen. 
Here we go. My Father, Jesus says, my Father, God, God, Jehovah God, my Father is glorified by this. Well, what is this? Well, we have to read a little farther. That you, meaning believers, you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Now, what, what can we conclude from that very first line? If you want to know that you're really saved and you're really going to heaven, then you can prove that to yourself because you're bearing fruit. If you're not bearing much spiritual fruit, then you may scratch your head and say, I'm not sure if I got that. I might have gone with my friend down to the altar when I was seven years old, and I might have even gotten dunked in the tank, but I haven't been bearing any fruit. I haven't been doing much since then. I had an emotional high moment. I'm not poo-pooing that moment, but what I'm telling you is what God says. My Father's glorified that you bear much fruit, and that proves that you are my disciples because you're bearing much fruit. Now, I'm not the judge. Pastor Jim, Zach, Jessica, uh, Kayla, we're not the judge of all of your fruit bearing. Oh, we can make a guesstimate maybe, and you can make a guesstimate about our fruit bearing. But what matters is what God's assessment is of our fruit bearing over the course of our timeline of life. And so let's read a little further. Just as the Father has loved me, Jesus says, just like God the Father loved me, Jesus, Jesus, I have also loved you, the ones who have put their faith and trust in me as a Savior. Abide in my love. In other words, rest in that love. Rest in it. We're talking about joy. Rest in Jesus' love for us. Now, watch this. If you keep my commandments, uh, yeah, but I saw some naked women on the, on the internet and <laughs> I watched it a little bit. No, if you keep my commandments, oh, oh uh, I decided I could live like I was married, but I'm not married. Uh, if you keep my commandments, uh, well, I saw a place where I could cheat on my taxes and I could, uh, no, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, Jesus, Jesus' love for us, who died for us, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that, now catch this, we're talking about joy. I've spoken this to you. Why? You want to know what's going on? What's the big picture here? And what's this Christmas joy really about? Ah, the little baby wrapped in a manger and swaddling clothes. And no, he's talking about an incredible internal joy that you and I can possess that the circumstances of life cannot change. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy, what kind of joy? May be made skinny, thin, empty, full. How full is your joy this morning? How full is my joy this morning? So what this verse says is that a person could conceivably put their trust in Jesus to save them, 
and not have lasting joy at the end of their journey. It's conceivable. How could that happen? How, how could we make, ask Jesus to be our Savior and forgive us of our sins and get rid of the hell ticket and then at the end, whenever God calls us home and this life is finished, we don't have any joy. There's no peace and joy. It's by looking to Jesus as a way to escape eternal punishment and separation from God, but never wanting Him to be Lord and Master of our lives. Now, listen, this is to the church. I'm not talking about Lakeview, personally. We're in it. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ around the world. That we want Him to save us, but we don't want Him to be Lord and Master of our lives about this obedience thing that Jesus said He did to the Father and that He wants us to do for Him. So friends, we cannot have the true joy of Christmas if we see Jesus as simply a pass out of judgment and hell. We can't have true joy. You can live that way. You can run to the altar. You can have an emotional experience and you can cry and shout and do all the things that and follow in baptism and go to all the classes and you get a job in the life of the church. You can do all these things and not have joy. Why? Because we have not followed obediently the Father's pleasure. You see, true joy comes in knowing Jesus as Savior and then living our lives in obedience to His teachings. That's why we spent some time when we were going through the study of James. Remember? He said, faith without works is what? It's dead. He's not saying that works get us to heaven. Everybody got goofy about that. That's not right. James never said that works gets us to heaven. What he said is good works producing fruit because Jesus is Lord and Master of our lives is an expression of the fact that we truly belong to him. So Jesus did that with his father. Catch this. Jesus totally obeyed his father's wishes. And the father lavished his joy and pleasure upon his son. That's incredible to me. Jesus totally obeyed his father's wishes. And the father lavished his joy and pleasure upon Jesus. How do we know that? John 3.17, at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus says that when we live obeying him, that he will bring the joy of his father into our lives and we can experience true and everlasting joy of Christmas. Jesus says that we prove that we're his disciples by our obedience if we think we have lasting joy because we bought a get-out-of-hell ticket, then we've deceived ourselves into thinking that somehow we will have a satisfying joy for the rest of our lives here on this earth because that won't happen. I, did a, I don't know why, Sylvester Stallone came to my mind. You say, that's weird. But he came to my mind because I was thinking about, I was thinking about a rags-to-riches story. Anybody read his story? He was homeless. Sylvester Stallone started out homeless. He didn't have a dime. He roamed around the city and spent 
nights at the local bus station. He was so broke that he couldn't feed his dog. And so he went to the liquor store and found somebody that paid him $25 for his dog. That's how broke he was. I don't know how much time passed after he was depressed and discouraged over all that, not having money and not having a place to live and being homeless and all that. But he, had a, he, he walked by, he walked by a, a, a mural, a, a publication about an upcoming fight that involved Muhammad Ali. And he got this idea in his head about a fight. And so he sat down and he wrote down what we would now call a script. It was a story. And he went to some movie producers and he said, I wrote this story and I wonder if you'd be interested. It was so good they offered him something like $125,000 on the spot. And he said, they said, would you sell it to us, the rights to it? And he said, on one condition, that I star in the movie. They said, nope, you talk funny, you don't have any experience, we want to use one of our famous actors to do this. And he goes, then I'm not selling it to you. Then they contacted him later and they offered him like $250,000. And he said, nope, not unless I star in it. And it got up to $350,000 and he wouldn't budge. Then finally they caved. And they said, all right, we'll let you star in this movie. We'll give you $35,000 for the rights to the story and you can star in the movie. And that was the first Rocky. In 2015, Sylvester Stallone is worth over $450 million. What if I told you, I don't know how old he is, he's gotta be in his probably 70s right now, close to it. You know, if he lives another 30 years, God bless him. And that 400 and some million dollars is gonna get sent somewhere if he doesn't spend it. It's gonna to go to somebody on his deathbed, just to use him as an example. There's not going to be any lasting joy because it can't follow the grave. Even the young ball player who just signed a $70 million contract for four years, whether it's baseball or football or whatever it may be, in just a few years, that's all going to come crashing down. It won't last beyond the grave. That's the problem. So, so true and lasting joy has to be able to take us past the grave. And that's what this... That's what this lasting joy is about at Christmas time that I, I want you to be sure that you get. And it's rooted in obedience to God's pleasures. Jesus says, we prove that we're his disciples by our obedience. If we think we have lasting joy because we bought the get out of hell ticket, then we've deceived ourselves. Lasting joy is deliverable only in obedience to Jesus as he was obedient to his father. That joy is unlike happiness, because happiness is for a season. Happiness is starring in several movies that earn you $400 million. That's happiness for a season, but it doesn't last for an eternity. That joy is unlike happiness for a season. That joy is consistent no matter, I mean, the joy that Jesus says he gives us in obedience is consistent no matter what happens between this point in history and the timeline and the start of heaven. It will hold us no matter what. 
So we sing these songs, and I'm closing with this. Joy to the world. The Lord, what's Lord infer? Master has come. Let earth receive her king. Oh, by the way, kings rule and the people obey. See, that's a good carol. That's scripturally correct. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Lord, master, let earth receive her king, the one who rules over us and the people, and the people obey. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature singing, you know how that goes. And then the next verse, think about it. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. If he's reigning, then he's master and he's Lord in your life. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. This, this, this enemy of God who has taken the minds of men and women and children and captivated them to think that there is no accountability and there is no, nothing called pleasing God. And there is, nothing, there is nothing beyond this grave. He rules the world with truth and grace. He rules. We obey. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness. I want to close with the world's, one of the world's, maybe it's the, maybe it's the world's biggest lie. I don't know. It certainly is in the top five. What would you think is one, one of the world's biggest lies as we, as we bring this to a close? I'll share it with you, at least a thought. Here's a great big fat lie. That there is someone or something in this world that can bring us more joy and pleasure than a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a Jesus was obedient to his father. His father was pleased and they had joy between them. Jesus and the father, joy. Jesus said we're to obey him. When we obey him, we have joy with Jesus. Our joy in life is not rooted in circumstances that make us happy or sad. Our joy is rooted in our obedience to Jesus. And when we obey him, the joy that he and the Father share together, Jesus says, by being obedient, is the joy he gives us. And that joy is most satisfying. That's how you can lose a friend. You can lose a spouse. You can lose a child. You can lose a job. You can lose your health. You can even lose your life and still have a lasting joy because by obedience through a relationship with Jesus Christ, He brings His... It's not any joy that you and I can create. I can't make you happy. And if you're in relationships, uh, you know the other person, they can try, but they can't make you happy. Jesus can bring... He's the only one who can bring this into your life. And so... You deserve to know that. And Christians who have known these things for years need to wake up and smell the coffee because oftentimes as Christians heading into this beautiful season, we're not being as obedient sometimes as we need to be to the inner promptings of what God is speaking to us. And it could just simply be praying for your neighbor to be saved. It could be inviting a friend that you've been resisting. It could be showing up for a Bible study 
because you know you need the reminders, to inviting someone else to come with you because they're reluctant to try it themselves. There are people that are introverts and they're scared to try new things and you could help them get over the hump. There are people that are struggling with emotional difficulties that just need someone to come alongside them and, and we're just kind of living in our own world and make sure we got enough presence around our tree, throw a little change in the Salvation Army tank and then we feel better. And that's really not it. That, that's, not, that's not really what he's calling obedience. I can't decide your obedience and you shouldn't try to decide mine. But we can let the Word of God remind us what the model looks like. And so I encourage you with that. Would you stand with me? Joy, joy, the true and lasting joy that Jesus can bring into our lives through a relationship with Him as a result of our obedience, not working our way to heaven, but bringing God glory by following His pleasure with our lives. There may be some who just need a fresh touch this morning. And it would do your heart good, honestly, if you just ask people to get out of your way and you make your way to an altar of prayer and just have a little season of conversation with God. Say, that spoke to my heart. I, you know, I know, I know what he was talking about, but I, you know, sometimes it's just like, Archie, I don't care. I'm just, just how, how I'm used to living. So what I'm used to doing on Monday through Friday is what I do. And Jesus says, I want you to care. Perhaps there's someone here today. Would you please just bow your heads for a moment and just say, that relationship with Jesus and paying the penalty for my sin, boy, I followed you, what, what you were saying there, but I didn't know that. I, I did not know that if I died today, I would be in, in trouble with God. I mean, I knew I wasn't perfect, but I didn't know I was going to get it. I didn't know that. Why didn't somebody tell me this? That there's a, there's a way to have that forgiven. And I don't have to have that, live in that bondage like, like the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt and I need to be set free from what the devil's doing and trying to fool me and trick me into living my life the way I thought I should live it and instead of learning how Jesus wants me to live it. And I, and I want that joy you're talking about, but I need to first start with confessing my sin and asking Jesus to be my Savior. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Here's the prayer that can help you with that. Dear God in heaven, I agree, I'm a sinner. I've failed in many ways. I am far from perfect. I'm glad to know today that I, I need to make things right with you. I'm glad somebody told me that. Because I don't want to die in my sin, and I don't want to stand before God after this life is over and be found wanting. And so I'm saying to you, Jesus, I don't know why you love me that much, long time ago to do that. I don't even understand how God could forgive my sin like that. But the Bible says that you did that and that you would accept Jesus as payment for my sin. And so if that's the case, then I want to put my faith in that and trust in that. And I'm going to ask you to come into my heart and life and save me, forgive me of my sins this morning. I ask you to do that. And I thank you for coming in because I mean it. And then help me to live my life according to your obedience. Lord, help us all to live obedient lives, to be able to hear your voice and to follow, and to be serious about letting you be Lord and Master and bringing you glory by producing fruit, fruit that will remain. Thank you. Now, before we lift our, our heads, 
would there be someone that I could just acknowledge before God, slip your hand up and say, I prayed that prayer with you this morning, Pastor Tim. Raise your hand and put it back down. Yes, I see that. Yes, I saw three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine, nine hands that were raised this morning. It would be my great pleasure if you'd make your way up here. I'd like to meet you. I'd like to just acknowledge what you did before the Lord and give the devil a black eye this morning. Thank you for making that prayer your prayer. Let us help you. Contact myself or Pastor Jim or any of our staff and let us know how we can help you and pray with you in this new journey. Now, how many, raise your, raise your heads and you can look back at me now. And how many would say, well, you put a whole new perspective on joy and that I need to be thinking about my obedience uh, as a believer. I need to sharpen my obedience. How many would be honest and just say, that spoke, God spoke to my heart this morning. I need to sharpen up just a little bit. And he'll bless you with that. And he will bring you an, an unbelievable joy to your hearts this Christmas season. The joy of the Lord is our strength, isn't it? Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful time to lift up your word of truth. A very simple message, Lord that is so profoundly important to our lives. We love you. Bless those who raised their hands and said they prayed that prayer for the first time in their lives. God, don't let the devil steal anything away from them and give them courage to identify themselves to us, Lord, so that we can be an encouragement to them. Don't let them run out. Help them to come up and just give us their name so we can pray for them and be a blessing to them. And help us, Lord, in our, in our desire to be more obedient. And thank you for the joy of the Lord that's in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.